Good morning, Grace. Praise Jesus. Thanks for joining us here today. And uh, yeah, let's get to God's word. Lord, again, just remove from us those things that would distract us and cause us to follow closely in your word so that we would know you and therefore love you and trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Growing up, I went to 10 elementary schools went to three junior highs and two high schools. I got in a lot of fistfights. Boys have this curious trait that never really goes away and is not entirely bad, but we always need to see how we stack ourselves up with those around us. Now, the way that I experienced this competitiveness growing up was often traumatic because of that. I was always the new kid in school, I was always relatively tall, and I was always getting in fights because all the boys wanted to find out the pecking order of our class. Now, knowing myself as well as I do, my attitude may have gotten in the way of some of those fights too, but we won't talk about that. (laughs) Particularly bad, though, was when I moved to East L.A. in sixth grade. For numerous reasons, I was forced to fight. Now, I want to say, violence is never justified except to combat malicious violence. For example, when three boys are on top of you in Lakeland Park in Norwalk, California, or when you're talking about stopping a madman with nuclear bombs who has a genocidal family history. And when you're fighting a war that every single one of us needs to fight every single day. And that war is the battle against sin. John Owen said bluntly, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Now, unfortunately, I need to take a time out. I wrote this sermon before I found out about Charlottesville, Virginia, which you all, I'm sure, have heard about it. Before learning about the alt-right and the the ironically named Antifa rioters who made fools of all of us, we need to realize that violence is not the answer. We must follow Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. when he followed his master, Jesus of Nazareth, who said, all who live by the sword shall die by the sword. King said, The ultimate weakness of violence is that it is a descending spiral begetting the very thing it seeks to destroy. Instead of diminishing evil, violence multiplies it. Through violence you may murder the liar, but you cannot murder the lie, nor establish the truth. Through violence you may murder the hater, but you do not murder the hate. In fact, violence merely increases hate. Returning violence for violence multiplies violence, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Man, I love Martin Luther King because he, like the prophets before him, just spoke such powerful truths and such wonderful words. And 
back to our sermon, we recognize with John Owen, when it comes to our sin, we must be killing sin or sin will be killing us. And Paul himself unapologetically used the same martial terms to describe the war that you and I are in against our flesh, the world, and Satan. Put to death what is earthly in you is how our passage begins today. And today we are going to continue our foray onto the battlefield so that we will know how peace is won. We will see how joy is attained through sometimes violent means. And we will learn to fight for joy. Let's look at our passage before us today. Colossians chapter 3, 5 to 17. Paul writes, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouths. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with his practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And um, let the peace to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Here we have a powerful statement on how to win the battle against your temptation. But I want to clarify what's at stake here. Paul does in Romans 8.13. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body, you put to death what is earthly in you, you will live. Evangelicals sometimes make a grievous error. And that is because we believe the fact that we are saved by grace through faith. And we believe the fact that we can't lose our salvation. And so we sometimes fail to reason and we think that eh, we don't need to try. We don't need to engage in the spiritual warfare that engages every single one of us all the time. Whether we know it or not. Whether we are prepared for that war or not. Do you struggle with bitterness? 
Do you struggle with depression? Do you struggle with discontentment or shame? There are many factors, and I'm not trying to be simplistic, but these are all symptoms of spiritual warfare. And whatever the underlying problems that exist, you today hearing this sermon about putting off and putting on will help you in your battle. And my friends, this battle is one for joy. It's one that will bring joy to our hearts. That will always be accompanied by evil on this side of eternity. And this joy that our battle is for will always be accompanied by effort. But it is joy nonetheless. And it is joy that is empowered by hope. The strength of soul that God gives us as we go to his word. Flannery O'Connor puts it this way, Picture me with my ground teeth stalking joy, fully armed too, as it is a highly dangerous quest. So accompany me onto this mine-laden battlefield as we go on our quest so that we can learn to fight for joy. And we begin by looking at verses 5 to 7. Paul writes, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming, and in these you too once walked when you were living in them. Paul is very clear here. He gives us a very clear command. He says, put to death whatever is earthly in you. Now, some of us hear a command like that and we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. But what I want to say to you right off the bat is you have hope. You have hope in the face of this command to put to death what is earthly in you for at least three reasons. Number one, God the Father wants you to obey. And if he wants you to obey, you have a good ally. Amen? But number two, God the Son died on the cross so that you would have forgiveness of your sins so that you could engage in this battle for the sins that are tempting you right now. And number three, God the Spirit empowers you to obey. You, Christian, can put your sin to death because God enables you to do it. You, Christian, can put your sin to death because it is Christ in you, the hope of glory that works this miracle in your soul. And you, Christian, can put your sins to death because when you trust the promises of God for you in Christ, God provides what He commands This is exactly what Augustine said when he said, Lord, command what you will and grant what you command. Oh, my brothers and sisters, this is such glorious hope. You need to have a joyful heart right now because you have hope. This is fresh, life-breathing power of soul to withstand the evil day and to rejoice. Christian, you are not alone. You are not alone in your fight. You are not alone because the almighty God of the universe, the personal creator God, is with you in your battle against temptation. Christ is supreme and Christ is sufficient. 
How do I know that? 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you could bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. If you don't believe that Christ is supreme, just look at our passage and see that He is greater than temptation. He will not let you be tempted. If you do not believe that Christ is sufficient, look again at our promise. He will also provide a way of escape. My friends, if you don't believe that God the Spirit will work in you to fight this temptation and to win, you will lose. And Satan wants you to believe that you can't win. The world wants you to believe that you can't change. Don't believe them. Trust this promise of God for you in Christ. 1 Corinthians 10.13 And we see how Paul expresses how we fight temptation negatively at first. He talks about sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire. So it begs the question, Why do we continue to pursue things that are so obviously bad? And the answer is because they offer us a deceitful promise of pleasure. And we are so enamored by the deceitful promises in this world because we want to be as Hebrews 3.13 tells us. And because, let's face it, we are trained to be enamored by the deceitful promises of the world right up from infancy. Nevertheless, a woman that I've never heard of in my life made this great quote. She says, The pleasures of the world are deceitful. They promise more than they give. They trouble us in seeking them. They do not satisfy us when possessing them, and they make us despair in losing them. Wow, that is a great quote. And it only goes to show again what wise men and women throughout the millennia have found, and that is you can't catch happiness by pursuing it. You catch happiness by pursuing goodness. Or in this case, specifically, godliness. But Paul continues, against those who remain steadfast in their clinging to these lying so-called promises, the wrath of God is coming. My friends, you must obey the command to put to death what is earthly in you if you are to flee the wrath of God. Be killing sin or sin will be killing you. No, Christian, you are not in danger of the wrath of God. But you are in danger of the discipline of God. Specifically, Hebrews 12.6, For the Lord disciplines the one He loves, and He chastises every son whom He receives. Verse 10, For they, our earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But He, our Heavenly Father, disciplines us for our good so that we may share in His holiness and therefore also His joy. No, 
Christian, you're not going to lose your salvation. But who wants to be taken by their dad to the woodshed? Because you are loved, fight for joy. Paul continues in verse 8. He says, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with his practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and he is in all. My friends, the greatest division in humanity is not between black and white or between rich and poor. The greatest divisions in humanity is between those who, by God's grace, have put off these practices and those who have not. It is between those who are being renewed in knowledge of their Creator and those who are not. The greatest division between human beings is between those who have put on the new self and those who have not. You and me, Christians, we must fight, stand against the alt-right and the Antifa movements. Why? Because you are not of this world. And these divisions are not the ones that make us go to war. Instead, it is the sin in my own heart that I must fight against. And when I do, I will begin to love those who are around me. Those who also need to hear of the supernatural love that brings harmony instead of being blinded by hate. However it comes about. My friends, you can put what is earthly in you to death because the process has already begun. Because Christ is in you, the hope of glory, you can fight and win to bring love and justice to those who do not have it. And even when you fail, because inevitably you will fail, You have only lost a battle. You have not lost the war. You have put on the new self. Jesus has begun in you the process that he will complete on his day. Therefore, you and I must fight for joy. And we spoke last week as we covered these verses. Set your minds on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things that are of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. My friends, you will put on this new self as you put off the old habits that are fixed in the world. And you will put on new habits starting in your mind. Here here is the point of the passage. Just like changing your sweaty, smelly, chicken poop covered clothes. Yes, we have ten chickens. 
You can put to death those things that hinder you from following hard after God the Spirit. The bitterness, the discontentment, the fear. These hindrances are residuals from your old self that you are free to put off and stand as a man or woman in Christ. Putting these things off is simple. It really is. Simply choose no longer to be bound by them. You choose to think about something else when they're knocking on the door of your mind. You choose to set your minds on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. But it isn't easy, is it? Anybody struggle with changing your thoughts and setting your minds on things above? So long as we still have our sinful flesh, it will take time. It will take effort. It will take tears. Because it's brutally painful to let go of those things that hold us. And it takes continual effort because when these sins reassert themselves upon us, we need to preach the good news to ourselves and fight. You need to remind yourself that Christ is in you and therefore you have the hope of glory. You need to speak grace to yourself. You need to power to accomplish kingdom purposes in your, in your own life. So that you can stand on that evil day. And as you stand, to win. Of course, that fight will include availing yourselves of various means of grace. The ones that we always bring up. Bible study, prayer, fellowship, service outreach. Signing up for Serve Santa Maria that's going to be here in two weeks when we have an opportunity to go to the north side of town, and our job this year is just going to be to clean up the streets. We're going to mow lawns that need to be mowed. We're going to pick up trash that needs to be picked up. And we are going to be a blessing to Santa Maria, California. And then week after that, we're going to begin our ministry fair. And this is the opportunity where you have to come and talk about ideas that you would like to see us do. By the way, you need to do that beforehand. So call me or Stephanie beforehand but then you can come and sign up and start participating with your brothers and sisters in Christ and making this a better place you can do that right now and you must also avail yourself of God the Spirit Lord give me grace to know you better Because as I know you better, I will therefore love you and trust you more. And I will fall out of love. And I will fall out of trust of all those things that seek to pull me down. But still we live in this sin-sick world. Still we struggle with our worry that he won't come through. Here's another promise for you. 2 Corinthians 9.8 And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in all good works. With this promise, fight for joy. Fight for joy because you can fight. 
Now Paul switches gears. Instead of telling us what not to do, Paul shows us the way ahead. He starts in verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Paul commands us, put on. Put on compassion, kindness, humility, etc. And then he brings it down into one word. Put on love. Love binds everything together in perfect harmony. Love is a willingness to sacrifice for the good of the beloved. And love is the greatest of all the commandments because if you love someone, you will act in such a way that you will in fact obey all the commandments. If you love somebody, you won't steal from them. If you love somebody, you won't lie to them. If you love somebody, you won't covet what is theirs. Pretty straightforward. Of course, if you love somebody, you will pray for them. If you love somebody, you will encourage them when they're down with the promises of God for them in Christ. If somebody is sinning and you love them, you will exhort them when they're turning away from the Lord. Boy, that isn't popular today. I guess real love is not so popular, is it? But as you are loving, you will fight for joy. And allow me to remind us that love is not liking. Love is not, oh, you're my friend. I want you to feel good. I want everybody to be happy. Instead, love is patient. Love is kind. It's not envy. It is not boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. No, the power and the hope-building truth that we find in 1 Corinthians 13 is that when you are patient with somebody... You are loving them. You don't have to like somebody in order to be patient with them. When you are kind to somebody, you are loving them. You don't even have to know them in order to be kind. Now, is this all that love is? Well, of course it's not. But it's a good place to start. And if you are living like this, you will, by God's grace, bind everything in harmony. And you will be fighting the battle that the people in Virginia can't fight with their bricks and their batons and all the things they fight with. You will give grace to those who need it and you will be blessed yourself. And here's how. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts as you indeed were called to do. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, 
Do it all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. The first thing we see in this, the climax of our passage, is that Paul is talking to the group of Colossian Christians. He's talking to all y'all. Let the peace of Christ rule in all y'all's heart. All y'all get along, you hear? And then he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you all richly. All y'all make sure you're putting God's word in your heart in any and every way possible. And specifically, he calls us to teach and admonish one another. Whew, stepping on some toes, Paul. What does that mean? It means that we are to know and then instruct in God's word. You knew I was going to bring this book out again, didn't you? Listen, again, it's a tool. Use it to get to know God's promises and then how they impact your life. Do it with somebody in your home first. Find a really good close friend and sit down and go through it with them. And you will be amazed at what God will do when you obey and how He will fulfill His commands and His promises. Instruct, admonish. Admonish just means to correct. It means to point out where someone is going wrong and show them how to get right. And you don't need to do this on your own. This isn't something that you make up. You have to be kind of a bully to do it. No, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the person who loves Jesus may be fully equipped for every good work. It's God's Word who does it. And when you open your heart and your mouth and let God speak through it, then you are trusting His promise. The Bible equips us to admonish and to receive admonishment. And when you do, you will rejoice. So fight your own cowardice for joy. Now, there's a big potential problem here. And in fact, most of the people in the church, and indeed for most of my life, I would would have missed it. The problem in everything that I've said could be that someone takes it, interprets it as, I need to do it. I need to fight for joy. Get up in the morning, put on my big boy shoes and start walking and I'm doing it. But that's not at all what's going on. In fact, there's two very little words here that show us that's not what Paul has in mind. It's the word let. What does it mean when Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart? Let the word of God dwell in you richly. I think he's getting at the exact same truth that Jesus is getting at in John chapter 15. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he who bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now we are a pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of folk. We find a challenge. We want to tackle it. 
Let's roll. And believe me, there is room for that. But the relevant point for us today is that you and I must let the the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. We must let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Christ calls you and me back to him. Christ calls us to consider Jesus. To focus on Jesus. And when our mind is pulled back to earth, which it frequently must be, we do so in full consideration of what it is that we're doing and in whom we are living while we live on earth. Trust Jesus. Jesus, I can't love this person. This person's annoying. But I know it's what you're calling me to do. Therefore, I pray that you would strengthen me to love him and now I'm going to go and act as if you have. That's it. That's what put off and put on means. I find it hard to be thankful. My circumstances are such, Jesus, that I'm annoyed more than thankful. But Jesus, I know that is something that you have commanded me to do. Therefore, thank you that you will fulfill your promise to me to enable me to be thankful. And now I'm going to go and be thankful. Put off, put on. The fight that we are on is a road. It is a destination at which Paul admitted he had not even arrived. But if you want to arrive at it, then you must make the effort. You must fight the battle. The battle in your mind to bring yourself constantly back to Him. When you're tempted to lust, bring it back to Jesus. When you're tempted to covet, bring it back to Jesus. When you're tempted to be bitter, bring it back to Jesus. When you're tempted to just give up, consider Him who endured such opposition and even went to the cross so that you could be forgiven And you could have strength. Set your minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Because my friends, the fight for joy is in large measure fought in your mind. Because your heart begins to love whatever your mind holds before it. And your hands will do whatever your heart says that it loves. And do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul wants you to do everything that you do in the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Fortunately, we don't have to look very far because Paul tells us right there, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. As a matter of fact, what holds the climax of this whole passage together is giving thanks. Because he says, Be thankful with thankfulness in your hearts to God, giving thanks to God the Father through the Lord Jesus. And we just suggested a second ago that it's all about abiding in Christ. It's all about bringing our minds back to Jesus. And one easy way to do that is to say, praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. You all hear me say that a thousand times, I'm sure, because I want to remind my thick, block-headed self that whatever it is that's in front of me, I can praise Jesus for. And it is for my good, for his glory, and for the growth of his kingdom. You can do that as well. I'm not telling you to say praise Jesus. But find your way of saying it so that you remind your own stony heart Praise Jesus and give thanks to God the Father 
through him. This, my friends, is how you will fight for joy and win. Lord Jesus, give us grace to fight. Give us power to accomplish kingdom purposes. Give us grace so that we will know you better. And as we know you better, we will love you and trust you more. And we will fall out of love for those things that continue to want to trip us up and bring us our hearts away from you. Lord Almighty, be with us this week so that we can find you gracious and we can find you faithful and we can spread that love and thanks to those who are around us and be a part of peace and joy. Give us grace this week as we seek hard after you. In Jesus' name, amen.